1: Include the epic saga that has been 2022 softball media days with day five yes so much was going on we had to push one interview to an extra day just to make sure everybody had the proper amount of time that they deserve this is the out of the box podcast gray robertson tom canterbury tom it's day five or the 12th pod yes how are you partner i'm good how's it going i am great i am realizing that as we record we are less than two weeks away from christmas
0: oh wow probably didn't realize it was that close probably should buy a present or two yes some some people
1: (laughs) i don't know (laughs) sorry (laughs) to my friends and my family i'll give you gum (laughs)
0: <laughs> and get that pretty easily.
1: This is day five of 2022 softball media days. We had the little scheduling snafu that you heard about in day four. So Texas A&M and Tricia Ford are here and they're flying solo for day five. And then we'll have SEC top fives and all that coming up. We'll uh, also go over the Alabama softball schedule, which was released right after we recorded day four. But Tom, before we get to all the day five fanfare and we start talking about Texas AM, and I want to make sure that we give a shout out to somebody who's really struggling right now. And that's Mississippi State head football coach, Mike Leach. Uh, this is softball media days. We focus on the SEC, but you and I are also very involved on the football side too, not necessarily with Alabama, but just in general. Mm. And Coach Leach has gone through a a very difficult health moment in his life right now. And from what we understand, the reports are not good. Uh, We're obviously thinking about him and praying for him, but just one of the legends of college football, not necessarily because of what he did, you know, results wise, but because of what he said and how he acted and the tributes have been pouring in from all over the country because of where he coached and because of everybody who loved him. And it's, it's really been cool to see how impactful he was and is in college football. And we certainly hope that he can find a way through this and recover back to his full health.
0: Yeah, I certainly hope so. It's, but it's a, um, as you said, the prognosis does not appear to be good, but uh, we don't know anything outside of what's been released. He is one of the most unique personalities, maybe that in all of college football, definitely in the SEC when he got the job at Mississippi State just the excitement about not not even necessarily and he plays a very exciting brand of football but you know when you're actually anticipating the the press conferences because yeah. you know was well, you know one of the most epic things one of the funniest things he ever did was back when he was at washington state when he when he broke down who would win a melee of all the mascots in the pac-12 Um <laughs> uh, and you know he did something similar when he came to the sec but i mean just that type of stuff and you know he would you know talk about weddings and anything else that you wanted to talk about and it was you know just one of the the great personalities in all of uh all of college football and um just it, it you know our our thoughts and prayers with him and everybody uh involved in what's going on right now yeah, and especially at
1: mississippi state because our friend tyler bratton the assistant coach for mississippi state softball was doing a twitter space earlier tonight with tara henry at d1 softball and he was telling these stories about having dinner with coach Leach and how coach Leach originally wanted to be a softball coach and how he was one of the first texts that coach Bratton had after they pulled off that amazing upset in regionals against Florida state and how, when he came to throw a ceremonial first pitch, he came 35 minutes before he hung out. I, I remember the picture Being sent around on Twitter, he called a couple of innings with Tiffany Green and our friend Caleb (laughs) Bro on on that SEC Network or ESPN broadcast. And just what a remarkable figure in sports. And I got to say, you know, like last night, as the seriousness of this really came into focus and, you know, I think when the announcement first came out, they thought, oh, you know. It, it, it's just a health scare last night things got really really serious and you could tell just how much it was affecting people all over the country not just at Mississippi State or Texas Tech or Washington State
0: yeah and, and the fact that you're getting those those tributes coming out from everywhere that he's been and places where he's never been but just has, has been an impact that's been it's been impressive to see how much that you know coaches have that type of impact all the way around and especially a guy like like Coach Leach.
1: Yeah, so our prayers to everybody in Starkville and everybody who's watching over Coach Leach in the hospital right now, I believe in Jackson, Mississippi, and Coach, we're, we're pulling for you. We hope you can fight through this one so that you can swing your sword mm. one more time. Indeed. We will transition from one Maroon school to the other and look at Texas A&M, our final school here on 2022 Softball Media Days, and maybe an apt final school, Tom, because Texas A&M, you could argue, is the biggest wild card in this entire thing, you've got a first year head coach in College Station, you've got a ton of turnover, including some players who transferred out a bunch that transferred in. This is an AM team that we really don't know anything about, honestly, and I say that even after I chatted with Trisha Ford a little bit ago, I got some good answers, but I still don't really know where they stand in this conference.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, when you have a coaching change in today's environment, that's going to mean that you're going to have a huge roster turnover, whether you had seniors or not. There's going to be lots of transferring, uh, people coming in, people following from the previous spot, uh, people leaving when when the previous coach leaves. And this was a team in Texas A&M that last year, It was, they were hard to figure out last year. You know, they struggled at times, but then they had really good weekends. Fortunately, one of those was against Alabama, but we saw that there was some talent on that team, but a lot of the names that we know are no longer there. So it's going to be who is going to be those newcomers coming in and what type of stamp is Trisha Ford going to be able to put on this program? Uh, Because as we talk about all the time with Texas A&M, they have all the resources, they have all the capability, uh, to be a giant in this conference. And we'll see what Trisha Ford is able to do if she's able to take that next step.
1: Yeah, Davis Diamond, it's the best. I would rent out the radio booth to sleep there if i could. <laughs> Can they put that on Airbnb, would, Davis Diamond? Yes. I would think they should. Why not? You're right. I just want to add to the recruiting budget or something. <laughs> I would book it. I'd do it. Shall we go forward? Yes. Here we go. It's Texas ms first year head coach, Trisha Ford, the final interview. For softball media days on the out of the box podcast welcome back to softball media days and it is time to wrap it up with the lone newbie in the southeastern conference the head coach at texas a&m trisha ford coach ford first off welcome to the sec how are you
2: I'm doing I'm doing wonderful. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be a part of this conference and uh, you know, itching to get on that field. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we all are too, trust me. Yeah. And I know that this offseason was really interesting for you. One of the big stories at the World Series as, as it got started was who's gonna fill the AM spot, who's gonna fill the AM spot. And I think we were all watching Texas, Oklahoma State when the news broke. What was it about college station that drew you to it?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, there's quite a few things. I think um, first and foremost is just their commitment to softball and the program, um, I think, really aligns with my desires. You know, um, all of us head coaches are a little crazy. And, you know, softball is very important to me. And, and really, the growth of the game is very important. And after meeting with Ross and, and Jeff Tool and, and and Kristen, it was just um, I knew that we we really agreed of kind of what my vision is and when I think about building a program or, you know, taking the program to the next step um, and being a part of something um, and, and what their vision was. And I felt like it really aligned nicely. I think it's important. Every place that I've been at, we've had really good administration, and I think that's important, especially as a coach these days, is Having somebody that you really um, see eye to eye and and understand kind of where you know what's important to them and what's important to you, so I think there was a lot of things that lined up. Um, and then you come to Davis Diamond and you walk right. out <laughs> the facility. And you're like, holy smokes. Um, so I, I think, you know, a lot of it, I, I think you can win here. I think that's the other piece that, you know, as a coach, you're not going to a place where you feel like you can't win. So I think with the resources and kind of the alignment of ideologies and our facility really, you know, we're kind of the top, uh, you know, reasons why I took this job.
1: Yeah. It's not a bad view from the office of Davis Diamond, is it?
2: <laughs> no, I'm actually sitting here right now and, and enjoying the view. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I'm curious as well. You know, when you go to a school where the previous head coach was there for so long and Joe Evans did such a great job, 25 years in College Station. How do you go about putting your stamp on that culture when also doing it in a place like Texas A&M that is so rich in various traditions?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of let it organically really happen. You know, it's not something that I force. And, um, you know, there wasn't anything like Joe's a great person, great coach. Like she did a tremendous job. And so I think, you know, for me, it's just kind of building upon the things and the foundation that she has set and and grew here. And then just adding my my twist to it. I think what a lot of coaches do or or some coaches do when they come in and, and take over a program is they totally like, crack the whip and like, we're going to do it my way. And da, da 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 and there really wasn't any anything that I had to like change or fix. It was just really kind of making sure that transition was seamless and, and, and just adding a couple of things here and there that are important to me.
1: And part of that transition was bringing an assistant from Arizona State. You also hired Joe Guthrie from UAB just up the road from where we're recording right now. As you were filling out this staff and i'm sure you had a lot of people to consider what in particular were you looking for and what was it about those two gentlemen who who made it easy for you to pick them
2: yeah i mean coach hargo and i have worked together for um quite some time we were together at fresno state and then obviously at asu and i think it's really important that when you find kind of somebody that you guys mesh well and and understand each other and, and you complement each other, like things that I'm not really good at, he's really good at and things that he's not really good at, I'm good at. And I think when you're putting together a staff, it's important that you get and kind of fill those holes, right? Cause I'm not great at everything. So I'll be the first to tell you. So <laughs> I think, you know, just finding somebody that, you know, really compliments me and makes us a better program is huge and and coach harger i think the other piece is he's uber smart like crazy wicked smart and just he's a student of the game and i love that about him he's somebody that i think is always trying to get better and and push the game push the envelope Um, And for me, that's really intriguing because I don't like status quo. I'm not somebody um, that enjoys just, oh, okay, let's roll the ball out and and go. And this is how it's always been done. I, I really look to people that are innovative and are kind of on that, that cusp of, you know, a little crazy, and a little, (laughs) um, you know, I I don't know. I, I just think that him and I fit well together. I think, um, with coach Guthrie, I think there's a couple of things that, you know, when I look at holes that we maybe had, I felt like from a defensive standpoint, we, we, we could really improve in that, in that world. And so I thought Joe, he's, you know, obviously done a great job. He's been at some high profile positions. Um, and then being a head coach, you know, he understood understands what it's like to be in this seat and he can really help and complement, um you know some some areas that I feel like that maybe Coach isn't great at you know and so I think when we're putting them all together I, I felt like it was our a balanced attack and I feel like when we're creating a team when you're creating a pitching staff when you're creating a coaching staff that's really important is is making sure that you're kind of filling those holes in which you're you're weak at
1: Well, you mentioned creating the team and we'll dive into the roster in just a moment, but I'm curious about this aspect with you because you're really the first first year head coach that we've talked to in this series who's been able to kind of come in during a normal year. I mean, Jamie Traxel, we had her on and it was COVID. She couldn't really go anywhere. So as you're building this roster, you have the transfer portal now, and that wasn't really around when you were going to Arizona State. There were transfers, but the portal wasn't as open as it is right now. What are the benefits and what are kind of the drawbacks of having that resource as you're coming to a new place?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, like you just said, it it can work both ways. I think, obviously, when you have some immediate needs, you can hit the portal and really fill them. I think, you know, over the years, you know, I've learned how to make, you know, better decisions in the portal, you know, um, right. You know, especially when you're thinking about mid-year transfers, it's like a very quick turnaround. And I think with the new legislation that NC2A is putting in and looking into implementing, it's going to make it more and more um, I don't, I I don't, I wouldn't say hard, but it's going to, it's going to put us in a position in which we have to be very, very smart and sure of our decisions. And so I think you've really seen the drop off this, um, you know, winter, this kind of session in December, um, slow down because of, I think all of the risks of kind of taking in a transfer, especially mid-year and trying to get them in and get admitted. Um, but, I think, you know, for a program like us, like we we hit it hard this summer. And so I think you, you know, you obviously you saw that with, you know, we're bringing in a bunch of new faces and, and really you're still hitting that COVID kickback. You know, I hate that. You know, we're still dealing with COVID a little bit, but you know we are. Um, and I think you know you're starting to see roster sizes kind of stabilize and 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 really um, get to a point where we're cycling kids through in four years instead of six years, and that's a huge difference. So, um, you know, I, I don't think you know obviously the portal. There's there's good and bad to everything. The bad piece of it is I think that my only real issue is is those um, is kind of that mid year where you're coming in and you've been practicing with a certain, you know, program right away and then you get to go play somewhere else right away. and so i think that makes things a little bit, you know, hard. um i've been on the receiving end and the giving end, i would say, you know, on, on both sides and and so it's just kind of part of life and you have to like manage through it, but you know, at the end of the day, you want kids to be in your program that want to be there. And then same, you know, you wish the same for the prospects, So, or, or the student athletes, you know, so if you're not happy, or if this isn't a good fit, and I'm not a good fit for everybody, and I know that and they know that. And so you might as well just clean it up and, and get it right, then have to deal with everything else.
1: And you mentioned some of the hits. Like you said, you hit it hard. You went after a bunch of players and you got a bunch of players from the portal. Madison Preston coming with you from Arizona State, Brianna Evans, Emily Levitt, Julia Cottrell was a big name around there. You have a bunch of others coming in as well. What was it about all those players that said, you need to be with us, you need to be a part of Texas A&M this season and beyond?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, again, it's just finding those for me, it's a big personality fit, like um, how I like, you know, how we do practice, how we approach games, our game plan, um, kind of our training, those types of things. It's really important that when, and when kids decide to come play at Texas A&M, that they are going to fit within kind of our, our threads, you know, like, and our stitch work and um I think you know obviously I've known Julia for quite some years her and I were both with USA the junior team when she was part of the junior team I think she was like 12 I'm joking but um (laughs) she was super young um she was the youngest one on the team so I've known Julia quite some time and and obviously her dad's in our industry um and he's a great guy and um and so there are some you know connecting pieces and I would say with most of the players that Are you know, came in transferred in, there were some connecting pieces. So I knew kind of what I was getting, um, Allie Enright, you know, played in, in the, um, in the PAC 12 and she played for an organization that I know very well, um, with the, the SoCal choppers, you know, Brianna Evans, um, you know, obviously came in from Oki State um, and, and and know them pretty well. Um, you know, Levitt, Emily Levitt is a pitcher that played on a travel ball team that we've recruited very heavily for. So it's like all of these kind of connecting pieces, you know, really um, helped me with my decision of like, OK, this is my kind of kid.
1: Mm. Tricia Ford, the head coach of Texas A&M, joining us for softball media days. Coach, let's talk about the circle. You've got Preston. You've got Levitt. You've also got some returning Aggies and Grace Uribe, Ackerman, and Emily Kennedy. How do you feel like this pitching staff with all those names and maybe some others that I missed out is going to shape up this season?
2: Yeah, it, it, they've really complemented themselves um, very nicely. And that was one of the reasons why we added who we added. Um, obviously, Preston is um lefty down you know um thumber and and Livet is hard and up um, so they really kind of work in in opposite directions um and and we added it to a very strong staff that we had coming in and that was one of the things that really intrigued me about am as I thought from a, a pitching standpoint there was a lot of good pieces you know um Shaley Ackerman has had a tremendous fall um and, and has just really developed nicely and we've kept her healthy so like knock on wood that um you know that's that piece is still you know um, she's going to stay healthy and stay on, on, on out of the training room. Right. Um, for those reasons, um, Emily Kennedy, I mean, she's a lefty throwing 70, like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) what else do you have to say you know uh and then you have grace who who really compliments everybody um i mean she can work a little down she can work a little up she's you know gonna you know spot here and there uh, within our lineup but we have just a really good staff to kind of put together and and when we face you know a righty dominant lineup or a lefty dominant uh, lineup we're going to have the flexibility to be able to kind of mix and match and i think obviously trying to prepare for five different pitchers is, is a little bit of a nightmare and they're very different so i thought for us it was you know really important as one of our number one goals is to get a very diversified staff
1: I'm going to kind of do a little segue from my own line of questions because when we came to College Station at the end of last year they were depleted as you talked about you know there were so many injuries on this team Grace Ariba was playing left field so (laughs) how much of that was the primary focus once you got to College Station and not only getting everybody healthy but just adding more bodies so that that situation doesn't happen again this year
2: yeah, I mean, and injuries a lot of time is the the luck or the unluck un- of the draw, right? And so, I think there was a couple of things that we cleaned up. We really addressed um how we're training and what we're doing in the weight room, and I think that has helped tremendously. Uh I think the other piece of it is really talking to the athletes about their recovery, their fueling. Those really those really really low-hanging fruits that 18 to 22-year-olds don't really do a good job of managing. And so I think with that piece implementing and then also cleaning up some of their movement um, pieces, and we're really big at assessment here at AM. and and it's something that we took from um, ASU and now have brought here and started at Fresno, but we really assess them from a full body um, standpoint, from a movement piece, you know, from blood work, I mean, you name it from top to bottom, we're, we're trying to put the, these pieces together together and figure out what's making them tick or what's have, you know kind of inhibiting them. And so I think with all of those pieces kind of putting together with our sports science um, team, we've really done a, a good job of addressing where we're at. And so like Shaley, for example, I've taken away, she's not hitting and she's not playing defense. Like there's too much pounding on her body. Like she's going to pitch. That's what she's going to do. And so, you know, for her, it was a little hard uh, at first because she's so used to like go, go, go during practice, but she's really, you know, she's come to grow. And I would say mature and understanding that her body just can't take that pounding. And, and, and she's been very successful on the mound as, as a result this fall. And so I think once they start to see, you know, we saw a lot of our numbers really improve in the weight room. Um, and also just from, you know, their measurements, uh, of kind of, uh, from a body standpoint really improved this fall. And, and so once they start to get a little taste of those things and understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, you get a huge amount of buy-in and for me. That's what this is all about is really, once you can get a little bit of buy-in, then you can take it to the next, you know, level, take it to the next level. So I think this fall has been really good, um, in, in that regard.
1: Well, speaking of taking it to the next level, that's a perfect segue to Coco Woolley who had such a great freshman campaign last year. What a gift to just walk in and have a player (laughs) like that available on the roster. What has she shown you in the couple weeks, couple months that you've seen her out on the practice field?
2: Yeah. Coco is fun to watch and she's fun to just, um, interact with her and I have a really good relationship and, uh, just tease each other quite a bit. You know, I, I give her crap and she gives me crap back and, um, she's just, she loves to play the game. I think that's the other thing that I think Joe and her staff did a really good job is we generally have, you know, players on the team that love to play. And I think what Coco, the biggest thing is that her and I've talked about this fall is just allowing her to be athletic. Um, when she starts to think and overthink She really, you know, like the old saying goes, you know, paralysis by analysis, that's cocoa to a T. And so I think as a coach, you have to understand what's her strengths and what's her weaknesses. So really getting her to play free, talk on the field and keep her mind off of, okay, I'm going to go left foot, right foot, you know, those types of things. She's just somebody that you got to let play loose and kind of let her be who she is. um, And you're going to get a lot out of her. And I think this fall it's been, it's been tremendous.
1: What other returners from that AM team last year that you've seen since you've been in College Station, do you feel like seem poised to really make a statement this year with your team?
2: Yeah, we, we gosh, um, we have quite a few. I think Trinity Cannon is one that pops to my mind, you know, pops into the front of my mind. Pretty quickly, uh, she's had a great fall, um, finding her mojo. I would say in the box and feeling comfortable. Her and Coach Harger have worked really hard of, kind of you know what what she what her goal is in the box, what she's looking for, those types of things, what pitches she should be attacking, pitches that she should lay off. Um, this you know the, philosophically, I would say that they she's really grown and kind of understanding where what she needs to do. Um, I think the other one is Rylan Wiggins. Um, she's somebody that. I mean defensively she is lights out uh, just a tremendous tremendous uh defender she really understand and she's leading our infield like this is what we're in this is what we're playing this is our priority these are the reasons why and so for me like the less coaching I can do the better right because they're out the, they're the ones out there you know performing the sport right and having to make these decisions so I don't want them to have to rely on us as a staff like I want them to understand this is the situation this is where our priority is this is what we're doing and go from there and so I think Ryland's really taken that on and really taken that control of of the defense which has has been just I, I don't know I just enjoy it like when they when you start to see those moments of players really kind of grow um you know you just kind of sit back and really appreciate what's what's happening on the field.
1: And she's just so smooth too. That's what always impressed me when I would watch her do anything defensively. Yeah.
2: You could put her anywhere on the infield literally and she would be good. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Well, it's not all returners and transfers. You've got some incoming freshmen coming into the program as well. Who should we be on the lookout for this season?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's a good variety. You know, Uh, I think you're going to see Amari Harper quite a bit on the infield. She's a a freshman um, from Southern California um, who's been playing second base for us right now. And I think she's done a great job uh, this fall she's really grown and starting to kind of understand things, um, you know, still finding her voice. And that's what her and I are talking about, like getting on the field and being comfortable of communicating. And, and that's really what, what this game is about is right. Communicating where you are, what the you know situation is and what it calls for. And, and so I think her understanding herself, you know, she's a freshman, she's like, coach, I'm just trying to figure out and make sure I'm doing things right. And I'm like, absolutely Amari. Uh, but now it's time for you to like grow up a little bit and start taking on more and more And I think she's done a tremendous job and just to see her from when she started back in August to where she was here at the end of November, uh, just huge leaps in her performance and her confidence and kind of her presence. And that's big for me. I I think when kids have a good presence on the field, a lot of good things happen. Um, uh, The other one is Ayanna Coleman. We call her AC. Um, I think she cleared the scoreboard. um, I don't know how many times this (laughs) fall. Yeah, when she connects it's going a country mile that Uh,
1: scoreboard is not small either
2: it's not um but she's been uh just she's really you know she's going to be somebody that probably has some freshman moments but I think is going to be just a beast in the box and and I think over the four years of her career here I think she's going to break some 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 records in, in the box and um you know again it's just teaching them of you know, they come from a world where, and they want to impress you. Right. So they come in and I'm new and they're new. And so they, the freshmen kind of have a double whammy. Like I didn't recruit them. They're new into college, you know, so that's just kind of like a lot of dynamics going on. And I think once AC kind of settled down and, and really, um, her personality started to come out, like she just shot up, um, from a performance standpoint. So, um, I am looking forward to seeing her, you know, do some damage in Davis though. So.
1: I'm going to do a little circling and underlining on those two names as we get ready for 2023. Trisha Ford, the head coach of Texas A&M. Coach Ford, a couple of things that we've asked all the coaches before we let you go. I want to start off with the safety base. This was a hot topic around the conference, around the country for many, many years, and we finally got it in on an experimental basis this season. Where do you stand on that and the possibility of hopefully, at least from my point of view, seeing it going forward?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I probably am one of the outliers. <laughs> um, so we actually, it, it was experimental, I believe this fall. It is not going to be implemented this season. There was some um, supply chain issues, I think, for everybody across the nation. So it's not being implemented. I think, um, you know, it's... I'll go either way, like whatever way that they want us to go, I will go, but I do think that there's a way for us to play our game with there just being one base. I think we do it at a a lot of different levels. Um, obviously, you know, we've had some, um, pretty bad collisions, you know, obviously I haven't seen them in person, but on TV we have seen them. Um, but when you look at the percentage of those plays that, you know, um, we have, huge issues with or uh, versus how many plays are played at the bag there's it's not a huge percentage you know and obviously you never want to see a kid's career end or you know get cut short or that season be cut short because of an injury but um sometimes it's the risk of of playing our sport i mean there's been acls that happen all the time there's been you know shoulder injuries getting hit in the head getting hit in the ribs like you know it's um that's the not so soft part of our game
1: Right. No, definitely. There is there is part of that risk in, in anything that you play. I think that's a good point. Uh, the other question that Tom has asked everybody is about non-conference scheduling philosophies. And we've heard a lot of interesting comments and responses from all the coaches. I'm curious what yours is as you especially step into the SEC, which is so rigorous start to finish in conference play.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a balance, um, a balancing act for us. Like This year, things are a little different because we came in and our schedule wasn't done and we had to kind of scramble with some things. But I think moving forward, ideally, I'd like to be home for a couple of weekends and then I'd like to go on the road a couple of weekends um, and, and, and have, some, you know, at least one of those pre-conference tournaments be somewhere in and somewhat of a hostile environment because it's getting you ready for what you're about to embark, uh, you know, in, in, in conference play. And, and that's something that we did the same thing at ASU that I thought helped us a lot this last year. And, um, you know, playing in some environments that are not warm and fuzzy and, you know, cozy, I think is really important and, and helps you kind of build on that and, and draw from that throughout the season. And I think for us, you know, we, we're going to have four weekends of basically pre-conference. And so for us, we're going to have a little bit of a balance attack, you know, um, not traveling crazy, you know, far. This year we're going to Florida and then the next week we can go into California. But that's just kind of how it goes this year, you know, but I think, you know, in the future years, we'll we'll stay, you know, a little bit more, um, you know, balanced. And then I think the other piece that's important to me is keeping um, some of our kids that are not from this area, making sure we get it out, get out to one of, you know, their hometowns or that home area once during their career, I think is really special. So making sure that works from an RPI, you know, perspective and, and all of those pieces, there's, you know, quite a few different things that kind of play into that. But the biggest thing is you got to win, right? That's the, the big Thing so your pre-conference, um, you know, you got to secure the wins that you're gonna you, you need in order to set you up for to be successful in conference play.
1: Yeah, you referenced your non-conference schedule this season: Clearwater, Mary Nutter. Those are the two biggest non-conference tournaments yeah. that <laughs> you can play in before conference play starts. What do you hope to see from your team playing in those, you know, big neutral side environments against? really tough competition. I mean, Arizona, Oklahoma State, UCLA, OU, this is not a slate for the faint of heart.
2: Yeah. um, We're going to find out who we are, right? I mean, we're going to find out our DNA real quick. um, And I enjoy that. Like that's the part probably that I love the most. I love the grind. I love the hard about our sport. And I think when you look at our, you know, my teams over the years, like you'll never feel comfortable. And so it's just starting that whole process of Don't feel comfortable. Teams should not feel comfortable until the last out is being made. And we've had some tremendous comebacks. We've had some, you know, gritty, hard fought wins. And and so I think it's just teaching our program, implementing our system. And so those types of things start to continue or continue to happen um, at Texas AM. So I think for me, these are great opportunities. Like, let's go, let's bring it. Like, you know, um, that's why we play where we, you know, that's why we play the game, right? If you don't love that competition, then You know, why are you playing?
1: (laughs) Right. Well, and this is the last serious question before we get to the fun stuff. As of today, there were announcements that the Oklahoma-Texas move to the SEC could be happening a year earlier than everybody anticipated. Nothing's official, but we'll see how it all shakes out. How do you feel about that? You're coming from the Pac-12 over to the SEC, which is already super difficult, and OU and Texas are about to follow you in.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it just makes us better. Honestly, I think it gives us... Uh, more of a voice. It gives us, I mean, you talk about a tough conference schedule that's going to prepare you for postseason. Like, I don't know that there's any other place that is going to prepare you like the SEC is going to. So I always embrace those. And, um, you know, the challenge is like, who's going to be number one for a long, you know, obviously Oklahoma has had a tremendous Go about and, and and they've done a great job of putting together, you know, these super teams, let's call them. And, you know, I think, you know, our job is, you know, let's break it up. Let's, let's figure it out. Let's, you know, um, get after it and compete. And, you know, for me, I just, I just get excited about those things. Those are great opportunities and, and it only enhances our conference.
1: Well, I, I'm all for it. Let's make the season way more interesting. Oklahoma does not have to win everything. That's just my opinion. <laughs> Trisha Ford, the uh, the last two questions we've got are, are the fun stuff. We'll oh, start gosh. with a mo- A question about movies. Tom oh, and I mm-hmm. do a a fun off-season podcast series called Out of the Box Office. We bring on guests. We break down a movie that they pick. So if, if we started a new pod right now, what oh. movie would you select to dissect or discuss? It can be a favorite or just something that intrigues you.
2: Oh gosh. I'm not a big movie. I'm a mom. So like I've watched like uh, you know kid movies as of late. We've had um,
1: cars as an answer. So that would that would work too.
2: Would would you oh you have had cars, you said? Mm-hmm. Cars, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um monsters inc. That's one I, Oh no, the incredibles. Incredibles are my favorite. Let's do incredibles. Yeah.
1: I like that. That's my favorite Pixar movie. So I love,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: I'm ready. I'll put it on the calendar. There we go. <laughs> Last thing, coach our favorite, well, one of our favorite cities in the SEC is College Station. A big part of it is the food. So last year, we asked everybody their restaurant recommendations, their favorites around town. What about you? What, what have you experienced in College Station that you really, truly love?
2: Oh, man, there's there's some good food here. So you got um, Cooper's Barbecue. That's, that's pretty good. Um, I, the Republic, if you're going for a steak, like the Republic is one of the best steaks I've ever had. It's really really good. Um I'm trying to think of I
1: how are you with tacos? We know that there oh. is a no short supply of taco places.
2: Okay. Yeah. So we've, um, Torchies is good. Mm-hmm. Velvet tacos is good. Um, I've been to a couple hole in the walls and I can't even remember their names because I just like Google them and like, hey, let's try this. You know, hopefully my stomach is okay. There's one at a um, gas station down by my house off of Wellburn that's really, really good. Um, that I'll have to, yeah. Um, hook you you know hook you guys up when you when you come out here but they have really good breakfast tacos they have the specials on Wednesday is enchiladas which I love enchiladas and so um, our managers will go grab them <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that well I, again you know so many options in College Station what yes. well, was yeah. that like as soon as you got there I mean obviously and you've got all the softball stuff but were you like I need my list of where to go around town
2: you know what somebody sent it to me and I appreciated it so I'm slowly I haven't really checked off very many we had some recruits come on visit, so then you start to you know obviously navigate a little bit but the month of December is my downtime so I'll I told the family like we're gonna try a new restaurant a week and just you know go from there so
1: <laughs> well best of luck on that expedition coach Ford, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the newest uh, head coach in the SEC and the first year head coach of Texas A&M Tricia Ford joining us for softball media days coach you were a delight Welcome to the league. We're so happy to have you. And thank you so much for hopping on.
2: Thanks so much and have a great one.
1: So that was Trisha Ford, our final interview here on 2022 Softball Media Days. Tom, there are a lot of places that I could take this. I think that her comments about the pitching staff was really interesting. Shaylee Ackerman, just a full-on pitcher now. That's probably for the best for her. And it sounds like that decision was paying dividends this fall. But I I thought her scheduling remarks were really interesting. It it sounded like she was kind of backed into a corner with the non-conference slate this year, probably not what they're going to do going forward. But man, when you've got Arizona, UCF, USF, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, UCLA, at Baylor twice, Louisiana, as Coach Ford said, she's going to find out what this team is made of in the non-conference.
0: Yeah, and when you play that type of a schedule, you're probably not going to have the overall record that you would really want to have when you go into conference play. But you will find out what your team is all about. You will find you have a chance, you know, going on the road, going to a couple of those big tournaments, it'll be a chance for that team to really come together and bond and, and gel, um, even if they suffer a couple of losses early on um, that may pay dividends later on.
1: Yeah. And this is an AM team that conference play wise misses Alabama, misses LSU, misses Auburn, misses Florida. Those are three teams we certainly feel good about and four teams we're pretty sure are gonna make the tournament. Right. And and would be very tough opponents. So if you're AM, you're gonna have some chances here. I circle home against Georgia and home against Tennessee as two, hey, maybe spoil some seasons weekends. Yeah. But again, we'll kind of see how it plays out. I think at South Carolina and Missouri at home are probably the two most winnable series in the slate.
0: Yeah, when you you gotta get those series and then and hope you can steal a couple others. And if, if you do, then you're kinda in the thick of things, uh, the starting things off at Arkansas, that's a rough rough start to the conference slate uh, overall if you're Texas A&M after playing the tough non-conference they're going to, uh, but they'll certainly be battle tested
1: And again, when you've got a non-conference slate like that, at a right now this year, you're probably not going to be seeded. The odds of that happening aren't super high. Yeah. You just got to get over 500, and the RPI will be good enough to do that if oh, yeah. they can't accomplish that because of A, playing in the SEC, but B, how they're going to be challenged before we get to march
0: absolutely so that's that's got to be the goal this year is just to you know be in the tournament and and be in there comfortably which means you know being over 500 with a couple of series left to play hopefully
1: yeah should we get to the final acts of this softball media days tom yes it's been a long couple weeks months (laughs) as we put this together a long strange journey but we've got here when we come back Our final takeaways, we'll discuss the scheduling piece, not just for Alabama, but also the SEC scheduling. Did we get a scoop? I don't know. We'll discuss it when we come back. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. Greg Robertson, Tom Kendra. I guess this is the heading home segment of
0: all of media days. We're getting the final wave home from patrick murphy yes. coaching box
1: after we crawled the base <laughs> pads, Yes, it's finally time to wrap it up we're going to talk about the wide sec scheduling conversation in just a moment and of course we'll have our way too early top fives but i do want to make sure we touch on alabama's schedule which officially hit like the day after we recorded right, day right. four of softball media days and let's take a gander, Tom. You know, you, you've got a couple circumstances that were out of Alabama's hands. I'm not going to reveal everything, but a couple schedule things that shifted because of other teams. Obviously, the big draw here is Clearwater. And yeah. you've got Duke, UCLA, UCF, Indiana, and Florida State. And then the other big weekend, we're heading back
0: to Austin. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see if we we'll get there. What weather phenomenon <laughs> will befall us? <laughs> Hopefully in March, it won't be Blizzard 2023.
1: Oh we'll gosh, see. famous last words. Yeah. Two against Texas, one against Texas State, one against Wisconsin. So Tom, what sticks out? And you can yeah. mention some of the other stuff too. You know, the Bama Bash is back, something called the leadoff classic, which we haven't seen in yes. decades yeah. in Tuscaloosa, all that fun stuff. What do you want to point out?
0: Yeah, starting off at home, which is uh, unusual. It's been done before, but it's you know just the way the schedule fell this year, leadoff classic, starting things off lehigh and georgia southern coming to tuscaloosa february 10th and 11th uh so that's just friday saturday just four games kind of kind of get everybody's sunday off right. sunday off <gasps> yes Ooh. i know how about that sounds like i'll spend that watching softball <laughs> yes uh, there's going to be other softball to be had for yes. sure uh but then of course the next week the big trip to clearwater um and the tax act clearwater invitational which is selling out as we speak right now
1: oh it's already um, sold
0: out. yeah so i mean it's crazy yeah so that, that would, that's going to be uh, an unbelievable showcase of softball. The five teams Alabama playing, like you said, Duke, UCLA, UCF, Indiana, Florida State. I think the most interesting thing about that for Alabama will be how the Tide's able to set up the pitching rotation. Uh, because I think, I don't know this for sure, but I would think that you would pencil in Montana Fouts to be starting against UCLA and Florida State. It's set
1: up perfectly. Right. For that to be the Montana rotation with that day off in between. yeah.
0: Hopefully not pitching at all on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, But then does that mean that you go Lauren Essman against Duke uh, on on Thursday? Or is that a a Jayla or or Salty game?
1: How about this? Hmm. I'm just going to put this out in the atmosphere. All right. That Duke game. Hmm. You could have the FGCL Pitcher of the Year and Lauren Essman facing off against our MVP from Duke. And from the rodeo,
0: Claire Davidson. Woo! who knows wow then that will certainly be a storyline that we will discuss yes not sure if anyone else will be aware of but it listeners will feel like excuse me the, the rodeo? rodeo the rodeo the rodeo and the slice
1: coming together in clearwater just wait until sarah willis is pitching for ucf against alabama you're yes. gonna hear
0: some stories people very <laughs> possible the circus will come to town <laughs> on saturday with sarah willis coming in so uh, I think you know if you're Alabama, I'm not going to say you know you need to win all five games in that situation, but I think if you you just have to feel better about yourself than you did last time you went to Clearwater when it, it you went three and two and one of the wins was against Washington, but you just played so poorly against UCLA and then was pretty listless against a good Oklahoma State game on on getaway day, uh, especially the fact that you're going to play in one of those marquee games on Sunday against Florida State, a three and two record out of this schedule may still be good as long as you play better in all five games
1: yeah and i think frankly it just depends on which ones are the losses if you were to lose twice to ucla and florida state but beat duke is pretty forgivable if you were to lose to ucla and indiana but beat florida state is pretty forgivable too right yeah but you probably don't feel as good because you lost that last game so i think really the timing of everything just is the important factor there Mm -hmm. we will discuss closer to what the expectations should be for that weekend because right now it is way way, way, way too far yeah, away,
0: way too early yeah. uh and then uh, as you mentioned the bama bash kennesaw state southeast louisiana indiana state coming in uh the next weekend then well they-
1: I, let me cut in there selah gave alabama a heck of a run at the mardi gras mambo, mambo last mambo. spring now
0: part of it was absolutely
1: the conditions oh my gosh! we saw kj haney hit an infield double
0: that 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 was the game you know we i don't know if you if you happen to hear the broadcast of those games Thank you for hanging with us, but and being Bless you. Bless you so much. But my gosh, I don't know if you could hear anything because the wind was just absolutely howling, especially in that game against the Lions when it was blowing straight in. Yeah. So that that was that was rough. So I don't know if you could take too much out of what happened against Sela there, but that is a team that, that that has seen Alabama and Alabama has seen them as well.
1: Yeah. So I, again, I haven't done the full roster breakdown on the Lions yet, but right. we'll see.
0: Yeah. Who knows? That Who could knows? be the
1: challenge that weekend.
0: And also, do we have a, a return from somebody on Kennesaw State? Yes.
1: M.G. Anderson may yes, be coming back. The transfer from Alabama to Kennesaw State, who led off a good bit of the year
0: last season, coming back to the Rhodes House. The Crimson Classic after that, Robert Morris, Longwood, and Mercer. Whoa! Oh! The Mercer Bears! And the Bears. Oh,
1: my goodness. Shout out Lindsey Fico and Kara Parker and Courtney Gettins and all the crew. Yes. We're going to have a blast with them. I hope I'm on TV for that game. No offense. All right, Yeah. But I've already talking with Fico about it. And I was like, Lindsay, it will be hilarious when we do that coach's call and you pop up and we're just sitting there talking about her son, DC, for 30 minutes. And I'm like, oh, right. Softball. Hey, All I'll right. ask you there.
0: Right. <laughs> and Murphy's like, can we get on with it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but as you meant, the other big uh, out of conference it is the trip to Austin, the Bebo Classic uh, before the tide he heads into conference play. A couple of matchups with Texas, Texas State's a good team. Wisconsin's good as well, uh, but of course, everything will be focused on the matchups with the Longhorns. And uh, I think if you're Alabama, if you come out of that one three and one, you're, mm. you're doing pretty well. Absolutely. If if you come out of that one three and one, you feel amazing. Mm. Although Texas
1: State, they're going to be tough. A lot sure. of FGCLers on that squad. Jessica Mullins is a phenomenal young pitcher. I guess she was young. She's getting older, yes. as people tend to do. That will be a very interesting test for this team because, you know, you look at the schedule before they won't probably face a ton of pressure before that weekend. And there could be bountiful pressure in Austin. We'll sure. see.
0: Yeah. And that, and that gets you ready. If you do go three and one or four and O in Austin, it really kind of springboards you into that opening series in the conference with Arkansas. Oh
1: boy. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, it's on the schedule.
0: Yes so looking forward to
1: it yes oh but there's one more april 18th a mm. double header in huntington west virginia with marshall and liberty because of
0: course sure sure the people's queen comes home and we head to marshall and uh take on a really good liberty team so that, i mean that's a that's a sneaky tough doubleheader for alabama it's not easter but you have the thursday friday saturday with mississippi state so you have uh and that's not a tough travel but you have that extra day to get ready. But that's going to be a a little bit of a tough turnaround, I think, to head to Huntington uh, before you come home to face Auburn. So um, it's going to be important for Alabama not to look ahead. We don't know what the situation is going to be as far as the conference at that time. Uh, But, you know, stay focused. And, you know, you don't want a repeat of what happened in Bowling Green.
1: I was going to say, we saw what happened. And I don't want to relive that ever again. I'm just going through like the pod schedule. And I don't know when that will happen between Mississippi State on Saturday we, and a game in West Virginia on Tuesday. Are we potting on the road? I was going to say, we may pod in the car, <laughs> see if we can get that set up. Wouldn't be the strangest place we've yeah. done a podcast. Actually, it seems pretty pretty normal. Pretty normal. Yeah. That's the last non-conference portion of the schedule for Alabama. And, of course, the conference slate has been available for a very long time. But now we know what the full body of work will look like for the crimson tide and there will probably be a game here and there that's postponed because of weather or mm. there might be a cancellation who's to say but as it stands right now 56 games on the slate which is basically what we were doing pre-covid so right. i like the fact that we're getting back to normal yeah. even though there's still some things going on we're basically back to where we were a couple seasons ago
0: yeah it's as normal of the schedules uh, that we've seen since 2019 yeah. so i like it to the bigger picture the mm. sec So we asked all the coaches except Patricia Ford about
1: their non-conference scheduling philosophy once Texas and OU join. And I thought it was interesting that we probably had five or six talk about how the conference schedule format isn't going to change right now. I don't want to say anything definitively because it
0: hasn't been officially voted on, but that seems to be what the consensus is.
1: I mean, if we were doing an unofficial poll, I feel like the majority announced on the podcast that they want to keep the format the same. This could be happening sooner than we think because Brett McMurphy tweeted earlier today, as we record that there's growing sentiment and momentum for OU in Texas to leave the big 12 early and join the sec in 2024. Although obstacles Still remain, the climate is right, and the decision can be reached by next month. So stay mm. tuned for an emergency
0: pod if that happens. Just just do it. That's. I mean, no one wants to be long, lame ducks. Agreed. I mean, th- this is happening. We know it's going to happen. Just do it. I mean, I know the money involved. There's a lot of stuff happening, but just,
1: just do it. I'm just so fascinated, though, what this conference schedule is going to look like. And, Tom, right. as soon as we heard from i believe larissa anderson was the first one to kind of break it to us
0: right which by the way are we breaking news
1: i don't know i really don't
0: know it's not really what we do but everyone talked about it so we're we're gonna talk about it okay um you had you had a very
1: visceral reaction after we got off that zoom
0: yeah because the the plan is as if you didn't hear what uh, coach anderson said would be that they're gonna keep it with eight conference series and it would be a seven-year rotation mm. before you got around to playing everybody. Uh, and they're doing that to protect RPIs. And I understand that. I understand the thought of, you know, when when an SEC team plays another SEC team, that means there's going to be a loss for an SEC team. Uh, so I understand that. But at the same time, I don't think that a student athlete gets the full experience of being in the SEC If they go their entire career, never traveling to half the league and to do that, to save RPIs, to make it where you out where the SEC gets 13 in the tournament instead of 10 or 11, I I don't think it's worth it. I think that you're depriving these athletes of the full SEC experience if you go that far and all you'd have to do is add one more conference series. If you add nine, if it's nine conference series, you would go everywhere at least once in a four-year rotation. If you're in the SEC and you never travel to Tuscaloosa, Baton Rouge, or College Station. Or Norman. Or Norman, or any, you know, there's going to be people that will have, depending on how the schedule falls, never go to these iconic places in the conference. Even if you play at another place in the conference for four to five years, and I just don't think that's the right experience. I don't think that's the right thing for the student athletes. So I do hope if they decide to stick with the eight, because this, as we said, it's not official. Right. But if they stick with the eight, that these teams will at least do home and homes or some sort of non-conference midweeks or something with some of the teams that are easy travels, uh, like Alabama's done with LSU and Mississippi State in the past. Something to alleviate some of this, but I just, I I don't think that's, that's the
1: right way to go. Tom, I I think about what this is going to do to the conference race. And like, I realize that as you're saying, you know, a lot of this is about NCAA tournament hopes and, you know, you'd love that extra non-conference weekend. So you can sneak a few more wins before you go into what will be truly a gauntlet in the SEC. But think about all the math we're going to have to do, how the tiebreakers are going to be just a nightmare when you've got a team may be vying for a title who hasn't played five other teams in the league. And who's to say that three of those others aren't tied with them at the top of the staff. I mean, yeah. it, it just, we won't be deciding things on the field when it comes to the conference tournament race. And, and I think personally, the sec is going to be fine in the yeah. NCAA tournament, no matter what they do, the league is going to get more respect. If you were to add that extra weekend, I also understand that perhaps you're thinking health wise, you know, the rigors of another conference weekend could be tough on the athletes, but at the same time, I just think that it makes more sense to find a way to get as many conference opponents on the schedule as possible for the conference standings so that we can properly decide a regular season champion.
0: We're already on the brink of it being a I'm not gonna say illegitimate, but it's you know, we're already on the brink with playing four not playing four every year to where sometimes one team has such a tougher, not uh tougher conference schedule than another team that they're fighting for the same championship. It's on the brink of it not being truly representative of who the best team is in the conference right, right now. Now, if we do this now where we're playing six, not playing six teams, yeah. I mean, real I mean. Is that really the champion is the question that it comes down to. Well, and
1: especially with how much this conference fluctuates, you know, a couple of years ago, Ole Miss comes up on the rotation. You're going, heck yeah. Sure. Oh man. Arkansas. Yeah. Easy sweep. Not anymore. And look at South Carolina a couple of years ago, they were a nine seed in the NCAA tournament, right? That was not too distant a pass. Yeah. I
0: mean, so teams can change their makeup so quickly. That teams can come from the bottom to the top and the top to bottom, uh, just like that. But you know, if a team plays Alabama, Florida, LSU, Georgia, and another team plays none of those four, but they're vying for the same championship, it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it's I, I again I understand the wanting to protect the RPI of everybody, but everybody's RPI is gonna be great. Yeah. Just get over 500. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be in the tournament and they're going to get the benefit of the doubt as far as hosting and seating, uh, even with records that might not be quite as pristine because you're playing in a conference like the SEC, you know, you're looking at the PAC 12, the PAC 12 is about to change. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're fighting against a, you know, a PAC 12 that's not going to have UCLA in a couple of years. You know, you're fighting against a big 10 that will basically only have UCLA. You're fighting against a Big Twelve that doesn't have Oklahoma and te- and Texas anymore. You're going to be the premier conference, regardless. Yep. Play as many people in that conference as
1: possible. I'm so interested to see if we're right or wrong, and we're going to get this in the next couple of years. I don't know if the pot will be around, but we might bring it back if it's not, <laughs> because we'll know probably in that first year how it will shake out, whether the imbalance schedule and the keeping of the current format does properly yeah. affect
0: the conference championship race we'll have answers immediately i'm just worried if, yeah we're going to be right and it's going to be so egregious that you know it's going to be one of those things like what? why did we ever go down this road to begin with we'll, we'll see how it plays out i
1: am interested to see if this is what goes through perhaps it won't be mm-hmm. i don't know not. because like i said we heard from five or six who basically said this is what's happening right. it's a good number of them but it's not everybody. Yeah. So we'll see where everyone stands once that comes out. And they might have to get to work. Yeah.
0: Might have to do it quickly, more quickly than we thought.
1: Yes. Well, Texas and OU are not a part no. of the conference as of yet. So they will not get mentions here as we do our way too early SEC top five. In no particular order. Okay, well, that's good at least. No, per- We're not ranking anybody. We're just listing the five teams that we think right now will be top five in the conference. Do you want honors on the t-box tom or
0: I, I guess okay since you went first on the uh on the movies oh yeah i'll, I'll lead off on that one thank you uh yes uh, well i think alabama is gonna be in the top five
1: all right i'll agree i have alabama as well okay my second team is georgia i am very convinced that georgia is going to be very strong i think the conference slate sets up beautifully for them I'm very intrigued by the week five and week six and conference play weekends at Arkansas and at Florida, but everything around that feels pretty winnable. So it might not even do a ton of damage. I've got Georgia as
0: a top five team. I do too. Okay. So there we go. We both have Alabama and Georgia. And I'm going to go ahead and say Florida is going to be in the top five. I have Florida as well. Because they're always in the top five. At times we've tried to kill Florida and they just refuse to die and they're going to be in the top five. Yeah. So, yeah florida at tennessee april
1: 21st through the 23rd star it circle it.
0: <laughs> it could decide
1: the league it could wow tennessee i just want to point this out because they're my fourth team tennessee has alabama and florida at home those are probably two of your best contenders so i've got tennessee in my way too early top five as well tom i don't have tennessee oh <gasps>
0: really yeah and it's not because I don't think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be good, but there's more than five really good teams in this conference. Okay. I don't think you can leave out the two-time defending conference champion without putting him in the top five. And that's and it's that's literally as we talked about when we discussed Arkansas. It's just based on what they've done because we don't really know what the team is going to be this year. We have no reason, no clue. to not believe in Arkansas exactly though, because
1: for a couple of years now we've been saying no, Arkansas will be fine, they'll be good, right.
0: and then they've won the league. You're right, and like running away with it so so yeah so yeah i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna say arkansas is gonna be the top okay you're 15 for the second straight year i'm gonna be the lone believer in kentucky wow i do love rachel lawson i do yeah and again similar to my reasonings last year they have the best player the best position player in the conference kayla kwalik they have they built a lot around her uh more than they get credit for and then you know If they have the pitching improvement that Coach Lawson was talking about in in our interview, uh, I see no reason why they shouldn't be there. Conference slate
1: is the following at home. Tennessee, Arkansas, Florida, and A&M. That's all in Lexington. You got to play them. Play them at home. I mean, hey, it it works out for you to have a a fighter's chance. There you go. But it all depends on
0: who's Who's pitching.
1: pitching. Who will it be? So Arkansas was a team that I had tied for fifth. I broke it all down last night, but I had them losing the tiebreaker to my fifth team, which is Auburn. Wow. I think that Maddie Penta proved something last year. I believe Mickey Dean when he talks about Shelby Lowe and how she's going to be right and healthy and back this year. And it's hard to ignore returning literally everybody on an offense that improved leaps and bounds from the year before. Uh, who's to say they can't do the same this year i think also you look at the schedule the road trips are tough but the home games missouri Ole miss lsu mississippi state those are all very winnable series now Ole miss is going to be tough and we still have question marks about lsu mississippi state you know you never know with the bulldogs Mm -hmm. but if i'm looking at four home series and i'm auburn i'm pretty happy about that yeah So I think that they're going to be in a position where record-wise they're going to be right there. I had them tied for fifth with Arkansas. And, you know, via Mm -hmm. the tie-breaking mechanism, I had Auburn slightly ahead at five.
0: It's, you know, and I feel not great about not having Tennessee in the top five. Uh, LSU not in the top five. Missouri, with all their returning pitching, you know, could definitely be a top five contender. Like I said, there's, there's more than five really good teams in this conference. But to pick those five. I don't feel one hundred percent great about it, but at the same time, I think I might be one hundred percent right. We'll see.
1: Yeah, who is your next team out?
0: Uh, probably Tennessee.
1: Okay, and mine was Arkansas. Yeah. So interesting. Very curious to see where Missouri fits. They seem like as big a boomer bust mm-hmm. as anybody in the league because of the pitching, but because all that hitting is gone.
0: Yeah, I think Missouri's boomer bust. I think LSU's boomer bust. You know. I don't know. I wouldn't put Auburn in that. That's like, I think they're going to be at worst middle of the pack. Yeah, you know, but I think they certainly have a high ceiling. I I, I don't see a low floor for Georgia as we talked about. Alabama as well is is going to be right there. If you know, if I'm picking t- Kentucky because they have the best position player, got to pick Alabama because they have the best pitcher.
1: Yeah, that's fair. So. Ole Miss as well. Yes, interesting. I don't know where they're going to finish. I've charted like five different spots when I've broken down the schedule. And I also do a vibes poll about how just I like, feel about the team. Right. And Ole Miss has come in everywhere from sixth to ninth as I've done it. So who's to say? No, who's I-, to say? I could see anywhere for the Rebels mm-hmm. and our dear friend, Finley Traxel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, we're meeting Finley, we're meeting Juice, we're meeting the whole gang. Right. All the puppies. If there's one positive thing that has come out of Softball Media Days, it is knowing that we will get to meet the dogs yes. at some point, which is very thrilling. Apparently, we're supposed to bring Cheerios. Yes, that's correct. Okay. I've actually set some aside, little, <laughs> little tiny boxes, or maybe, hey, I don't know, Finley, if you're listening, big box, family size, little, little tiny individual mm. packages of Cheerios. Let me know. Yeah. Yes. So I can prepare now. We only have five months. Right.
0: It's the last game. It's the last series. It's going to be a little while.
1: All right, Tom, let's take a break. And when we come back, we will completely wrap up everything from Softball Media Days. That's on the other side here on the Out of the Box podcast. my gosh it's done we did it (laughs) yes we did it 14 schools 13 sec teams and one bonus shout out memphis we talked to them all here on 2022 softball media days thank you of course to trisha ford who capped off the entire event here on day five tom i am uh i am amazed that we did this again knock on wood fingers crossed I hope we can do it one more time or maybe a couple more times going forward and i hope we can get everybody i had a blast and i i think all these people are awesome we've had so many fun interactions and zooms with all these coaches it's it's been a real treat
0: it really has and as we've talked about before no other sport would you be able to get this type of access and uh we appreciate all the coaches for coming on talking with us all the sids for uh making it happen and for everyone who listens whether you're an alabama fan a softball fan or fans of those individual teams that maybe just you know saw that uh, their coach was going to be on and they might have just listened to that one segment. But uh, thanks so much to everyone who listens uh, on, on a regular basis and to softball media days. And uh, now I'm just now I'm ready to just play, play some softball.
1: Yeah, I would like to point out, you know, I, I think back to when we got on the Zoom with Rachel Lawson. And she joked with us, wow, you all don't have anything else going on. You got to start talking about softball right now. And, <laughs> you know, we laughed about it. But one of the reasons I like doing this so early is that now they're going to sit. And everybody can go and listen back. They can, you know, listen now and then return to it the week before the season. You can mess around with media days however you want. Yes, we are providing this platform that we hope lets you know a little bit about each team in the Southeastern Conference, plus Memphis and the Vanderbilt slot. And I think we accomplished that.
0: I, I do too. And you know, at some at this point too, some of the times the answers that we have are we have no answers. And we'll get those answers in February. That's right. Can't wait. Yes.
1: Future of the pod. So season five is coming up in February. Uh, Wow. <laughs> That's insane. Yes. And we'll do weekly shows, except for maybe the Mississippi State Marshall thing. That seems to
0: be a, eh, could be an issue. Could be a problem. Maybe but, a mini pod.
1: Yeah. We'll do weekly shows and that'll be all the way until a natural champion is crowned. And we'll have fun on the road stuff. We'll have Twitter spaces, Out of the Box Going Home will return. A lot of announcements are coming on Out of the Boxing Day on Ooh. December 26th. Yes, we are taking holidays and spending them off to our own. So check on the at out of the box underscore pod Twitter for those announcements on December 26th. Also, we will have our 100th episode this spring. Wow. Which is crazy. Yes. I'm planning something fun. I'll leave it at that.
0: It'll be a surprise to me, too, so yes, I'm excited. As
1: about. most things as are. As most
0: things are. One thing that won't be, though, <laughs> out
1: of the box office, Christmas vacation. Yes. Coming very soon.
0: We're going to record
1: it in certainly the next
0: two weeks, before Christmas. Before Christmas, and we'll have some special guests for that one as well.
1: Yes, got to nail down the schedules before we make that announcement, but Alabama fans in particular are going to really enjoy who we've got coming on.
0: I, I would certainly think so, and if nothing else, you'll enjoy the quotathon that will be Discussing Christmas vacation.
1: I might have to put a cap, be like, pick five, Tom. Five quotes.
0: Don't know (laughs) if I can't be a
1: three hour podcast. We did that last week.
0: (laughs) It's pretty low, mister.
1: If I had a rubber (laughs) hose, 20. That's it. You get 20, call (laughs) today. That's called negotiating, (laughs) my friend.
0: Yes, thank you very much.
1: (laughs) All right, follow us on the socials, of course, at out of the box underscore pod, Tom.
0: Uh, Canterbury rtr on the twitter yes i'm at gray
1: gray underscore robertson also out of the box pod two on instagram thank you again to coach ford all the coaches all the sids everybody who made this happen we started sending out emails three months ago we started recording interviews 40 days ago and now here we are completely done we did it again amazing amazing 2022 Softball Media Days is finished. Thank you so much to all the SIDs at every SEC school, Memphis, all the coaches. Everybody was awesome. We've got season five around the corner. We've got some other stuff in the offing prior to February as well. For my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson saying so long. Thank you so much for joining us for 2022 Softball Media Days. A new year is coming up. But until then, happy holidays, and we'll see you next time on the Outbox Podcast.